I could not be more excited to have today's guest. Harlan Chillinger is an incredible legal advertising strategist, consultant, wizard. I read somewhere that he was described as the grandfather of legal advertising. I call him the godfather of legal advertising. If you have ever seen any of Harlan's stuff, you'll probably see him on a motorcycle pictures of him at big conferences. I'll say this, Harlan, it can be very easy for people who haven't met you yet to think that you might be unapproachable. You might be too big for some of us, you know, newer attorneys, newer business owners to talk to, but rarely have I ever found someone who is as approachable, who is as willing to talk to a new generation of business owners as you. So I'm really thankful to have you here, Harlan. Well, Joey, I just want you to know, I really, really appreciate it. Keep in mind, I learn a lot more from from you all than you learn from me. And I really mean that. And I can show you tangible examples. I think the grandfather came in, somebody called me, well, you're the grandfather of legal advertising. Well, I started it in 1977. And I really built the first agency, you know, that went after the business, and so on. So that sounded like, okay, the grandfather, well, hmm, that makes me feel old. But I, I didn't run away from it. That I'll be honest about that. And so it just kind of caught on. And I don't, you know, I don't really say, hey, I'm the grandfather. You know, I do that to my grandchildren, child. But, you know, I appreciate the accolades. You know, approachability is what it's all about, you know, in life, the family, with your children, with everything else. And I just think that we're all built the same way. We all put our pants on the same way. I don't think there's much difference other than, you know, I may have a little bit more experience, but I've grown up in the business sharing that. My father taught me that. For people who might not be as familiar with your background, can you walk us through a little bit of your experience? You've done so much. So let's start maybe, I know this isn't the beginning of your journey, but earlier you said that, you know, you invented legal advertising. Invention is kind of like a Tom Edison thing. I stumbled into it and we initiated it. I don't like the word inventing because I didn't invent advertising. I advanced it. So however you want to you know, phrase it. But in 1975, I was in business with uh, my partners producing television commercials for upper end retail. Retail such as a Tiffany type of a store, jewelry. We were doing the De Beers commercials at the time, the Noxima take it all off. And and my mentor, Bill Meiskins, who was one of the icons of Madison Avenue back in 1948 through 75, I met and said, kid, you want me to teach you TV? And I, oh, it sounds pretty good. I was 25 years old. I, you know, I 
sounded great. And so he had this idea to syndicate television commercials, take a fine jewelry store hypothetically in, Ch in Chicago, like Peacocks or Schwarzschilds in Richmond and make a commercial that we can plug in the name and you know, edit. And in 1977, we discovered legal and we took a hunch produced a series of television commercials. We didn't have a client. Um, in 1979 or 80, we, we headed out and peddled our commercials, knocked on doors and, you know, showed lawyers that, you know, they can have television advertising, bringing them a lot of business. And we signed up like 58 people, 58 firms. And that was how we rocketed legal marketing. And then, of course, over the years, agencies popped up, people produced their own material and so on. So I guess I got a lot of credit for peddling, you know, the uh, the advertising very, very early on. And I think that's where the grandfather thing, you know, came in. Because over the years, I, I recognize that there's plenty of space for just about everybody. And so I shared, you know, what I did but truthfully, the reason I shared it was I do believe I'm a giving person, but it was the best way to sell what we were doing because it added credibility. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, what's curious to me is that you probably had many opportunities to start to shift to different industries or to try something else, but you just kept going down this lane of helping law firms. Well, I actually shedded the other industries that we were working in, and uh, we decided that legal was a, this was going to explode. This was, this was big. In 1984, my partners wanted to retire, really, uh, and um, I was the young kid on the block. I wanted to get into booking airtime. That's where the real money in our business is, uh, in advertising. You know, it's booking the schedules and so on. And so I merged my business with a gentleman in Norton Fricky, who was a lawyer in Denver. And he was starting, uh, he had started network affiliates and he was off to a really great start. I mean, Norton is a pioneer. It was logical several clients, mutual clients, you know, merged us and he wanted to grow and I wanted to grow. And, and so I moved to Denver and uh, we built network affiliates. And, you know, when I retired from network affiliates six years ago now, I think the year before I got out, we were in like 96 markets and that's a huge footprint, you know, to be in 96 Chicago's or, you know, Peoria's. Uh, so it worked out pretty good. And help me connect the dots between all of that and where you're at now. Because we were talking before we went live about how you have several different businesses at this point. Well, you know, in life, your tree grows and mm. seeds drop and then another tree grows. And that's just how it how it kind of works. And and over the years, I've been exposed to a, a lot. You know, when you pioneer an industry or you learn to maneuver through an industry you learn a lot of different things like intake and conversion you know when we started advertising in the 80s there wasn't anything joey that could stand in the way of that phone not ringing i mean if you just said call me the phone rang it was unprecedented uh, and there was very few 
I didn't think I don't think I had any real competition for many many years, and then as things developed and people woke up and agencies said I can do that, you know, a very competitive environment came about, and you learn things along the way, and you learn about how to refine things, how, what's the weight strengths and weaknesses of the industry of the business. I have always taken the approach that I was a consultant. Not I never made a television commercial or sold a commercial or an airtime schedule. I always talk to my clients on how to build your business. Because that's the background I came from. And, you know, that's what my parents taught me. Uh, you know, I wasn't selling this this widget here. I'm selling, yeah. well, what does this do and how can I make it how can I make it work? And what's the power of it? And in growing practices, you know, we got into the practice and the phone started to ring. So okay, so now what do you do? You got to answer it and you got to have a process. So we developed these processes. We developed these abilities to process the business, to grow the business. And that's how it really started for me. And I never really left it. So making a commercial is the easy part. What do you do when the phone rings? And that brought us to intake and conversion. That brought us to software. That brought us to where we really are now in the in the business world. This was all before you were born, by the way. Wow. <laughs> That that may be, but I feel like the fundamental is probably the same as ever. I mean, when you when you talk to law firm owners, and I know that you can be so generous with your time as a consultant, and you talk with a lot of firm owners. And by the way, if you're just a, a, another type of service provider, I hope that you're you're leaning into this conversation as well, Harlan. What tends to be the main go-to advice that you give people that come to you? Just to back up, I used to always say, if you really want to know how to market a law firm, look at another business, not another mm -hmm. law firm. Because law firm owners had an hour's worth of business training in college and in, in, in law school. Right. And so I think that running a business is running a business. Now, whether you run a law firm or you run a dry cleaner, you know, you get what you ask for, you advertise, you perform a service and you get paid. And so it's the process. It's basically the same. Now, there's a little different, you know, uh, you have legalities and deadlines and so on. But you have that, you know, as well. You know, in the dry cleaning business, somebody brings in a dress and they need it on Saturday. You better meet the deadline yep. and do a good job and you'll get paid. So yep. whether your audience, this applies to any aspect of business. My backbone in legal advertising, though, uh, is very stiff, and it is uh, of the nature that I discovered storytelling very early on. Actually, I discovered story storytelling in business prior to me getting into the advertising business when I read Dale Carnegie's book, Make Friends and Influence People, which is the second most published book in the world next to the Bible. And that is really where it all began for me and many, many other people, whether it's Tony Robbins or whoever it is, uh, you know, that's the backbone. And with legal, I realized that you, you definitely get what you ask for. But I developed the technique of talking to the public the way you would a jury, because I dissected a jury trial. And when was fascinating about you know, the jury and the jury system, and we have the greatest jury system in the world, is that you, when you walk into court, you have to be affable, you have to be liked, you have to have credibility, uh, and you have to tell a story. 
you don't walk into court and say, well, my client demands $5 million, but you have to tell the story on why they, and you have to earn that trust. You have to earn that case. And so thing that I do is you talk to the public the way you would a jury. And that really dovetailed into getting what you ask for. My mentor said, you get what you ask for in advertising. First lesson, that's what advertising 101 is about. You get what you ask for. You know, if I've been a wreck and I need a check and I say, if you're in a wreck and you need a check, now that's a dear, dear friend slogan. Uh, he gets a lot of those calls, but I'm asking for a soft dish case. You're not going to ask somebody that just lost somebody in an accident. Well, you need a check. You need a wreck. You know, that's so it's that's where the talking to the jury thing comes in. You get what you ask for. You tell a story. That's where it began. And that's where it is for me. You know, what you were saying reminds me of something that I heard from one of my business coaches of to your point, no matter what industry you're in. You have to keep in mind what your client needs and what they know they want, because they're usually not the same thing. Well, you have to know their business better than they know their business. Yeah. And mm. that doesn't mean you tell them everything that they need to do. Right. Uh, but let's say I'm in the garment and, you know, clothing, hypothetically, a clothing store, fine men's clothing store. You appeal and you ask for your customers in a certain way. You know, you're not always on sale. You're not, you know, the suit of the day. That's a tone. But again, you, you get what you ask for. And it's very, very important to understand that. Yeah, that's powerful. It, it, does that translate to a lot of the firms and companies that work with you or talk to you start niching down more in what they do like, so that that thing that they're asking for is more, more clear and more specific? Well, when you niche down, what you're doing is you're saying, I want this specific kind of a case because of its value. You know, hypothetically, let's talk about trucking. You know, there are approximately 50 to 60 certified trucking lawyers in the country, but every single lawyer wants a trucking case because it's, you know, big bucks, big trucks. They think that every lawyer wants a catastrophic case. So they don't say, well, if you're dead, call me. You have to ask for those cases in a certain way. I have a client and friend in Indianapolis uh, that left television, left the general practice and decided I'm going to be, you know, the best trucking lawyer in the country or one of anyway. And he streamlined his business and he's a very certified and buttoned up trucking attorney. 40% of his business comes from referral of the lawyers that are asking for trucking cases but can't process the trucking case. That's a whole nother conversation, what it takes to be a specialist. And it's a big commitment on education, finances, you know, a number of things. But you go back to getting what you ask for. So David uh, Craig in Indianapolis completely uh, retooled his practice and found a way to tell the public that he knows what he's talking about. Not just saying, I want trucking cases. Mm -hmm. You know, I want a million dollars. That doesn't mean somebody's going to walk up and give it to me. Right. You have to earn it. And when I say earn it, you know, it goes through that process of the jury of learning that technique in trial to build your case, to build confidence in the person you're asking for something. And I've said it 15 times today, you get what you ask for. The idea of niching down is that you become a specialist in what you do. I'm really good at what I do. This is what I know I do, and I'm an expert at it. So when you decide to be 
a niche practice like yours, you know, you become an expert at what you do and you're not all over the place. And I think that you have found that when you niched down, it became much more profitable for you because you had a focus 100%. and you became the expert in what you're doing. And you don't have to convince people, well, I can do that. I can do this is what I do. And if somebody that go ahead, but there's not a lot of people that do it as well as I do. But you've earned trust of them. You've earned the trust of your customers. You and I have a lot in common. You educate people to get trademarks and how to do this and how to, you've taught me more than I have ever known about trademarks. And then I probably could have gone out and got my own trademark, but I said, no, this is too complicated. I'm going to hire him. It goes so back to what you said earlier about the, when, you, when, you, when you're a giver, when you educate people and you show them how to do things and they see how complicated it can be to be, to be for themselves, it can be very easy and a good business strategy to be that giver because they come back and they want you to do the work now that they've trusted you. Well, it goes back to Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's over 100 years old. And he talks about being interested and not interesting. Isn't it more captivating when you go into a social event and somebody's asking you questions about you or otherwise uh, other than talking about them, you know, I do this and I do that and I do this. And I mean, what do you learn from that? So it's, so it's a different kind of conversation. And I guess it depends on how you were brought up or, you know, how insecure or secure you are in life. It's a style and it fits some people and it doesn't fit others. I love this conversation, Harlan. And it, and it really transitioned really nicely into this other topic that we talked about before we went live of, Exit strategies. Well, exit strategies are interesting. I mean, the, the advertising started in 1977 for lawyers, 78, 79. So we're, we're well into it. Uh, and many, many practices have gotten much more mature. At that time, you get older. And, it, and when you become a certain age, you say, okay, what do, when do I get out? And how do I get out? And not everybody has their son or daughter to give them the practice. Or not everybody has, you know, that great partner that wants to take it over. And if that partner wants to take it over, how do they pay for it? So an industry is popping up right now and a business opportunity. But the truth of it is, it's the reality. It's come to fruition. You know, people that have been in practice for 50 years, 40 years, 30 years, they want to get out. And they always, the question is, how do I get out? You know, we call it retirement and you have to prepare for retirement. And if you don't prepare for retirement, what you are is stuck. Your expectations aren't met and you either run out of money or you just you, your lifestyle changes and you kind of crawl up and go into a ball because you're not prepared. And so this industry has matured to the point, Joey, of what people have built their business what's the next move? I like to label it as an exit strategy. And I think I've been doing this unknowingly for years, but I think one of the best things that, that we've essentially done is start to design an exit strategy regardless of if and when we sell. Because putting everything in place for that eventual exit only makes the business more sustainable and profitable. Well, let me just back up. Uh, about a year ago, a friend of mine approached me 
who manages and owns a uh, funding company, business funding group, one of the largest, most successful groups in the in the country. You know, funding and and uh, managing money and managing practices for for lawyers. We talked about you know this exit strategy idea, and uh, he asked me if I'd be interested, and I said, yeah, I think I would. I really enjoy that. Quite frankly. 30 years ago, Norton, you know, Fricky and I, you know, looked at it, you know, with Michael Smith and a couple of our partners. And we said, you know, this is a business we need to be in, but we were way ahead of our time. And it really didn't go anywhere because these people were not trying to get out. They were trying to get in. Uh, so when Jared Prushing from Business Funding Group approached me and said, Harlan, I would like to partner up with you because you've built so many practices. You, you have a lot of credibility in the business. Uh, what do you think? We built this little business and we're getting it off the ground. And quite frankly, everybody that we've pitched says, my God, I haven't even really thought about that. But the question I think that you want to ask me is when do you start to decide you want an exit strategy yes. and how do you go about it? The time to build an exit strategy is the day that you build the business. Not that you say, well, I'm going to build it to get out, but I'm going to build it so that I can get out. But what happens along the way? What happens when you start thinking about an exit strategy? Worst case scenario is you put your house in order and you prosper from it. Right. You know, uh, you know. I remember you know buying and selling houses, which I've done a number of times. One particular situation is I really wanted to sell the house, and of course the agent came over and says, "Well, you got to do this, this, you got to do this, you got to paint this, you got to do this to get maximum value." And then about three months later, after I did all that, I looked at the house and I said, "Yeah, I don't think I really want to sell this house. I kind of spruced it up pretty nicely." And so, what have I really accomplished? I accomplished putting my house in order, I decided to keep it. And then eventually, of course, I sold it. But what I did was I created a better environment. I created a better business. And so there is no downside to preparing for anything. That means you're just ready. And along the way, when you're ready, you prosper. So well said. I asked you before we went live, Harlan, what you are most proud of when you look back on all that you've accomplished. And I was very impressed, but not surprised to hear you say that it was really about adding value to others. You know, I've had a really great, great career. I'm really so blessed and so fortunate. And I wake up every single day thanking God, you know, for what I have and and giving me the strength to move forward. And putting aside the fact that my greatest accomplishment is family and and my relationship with my partner and wife and my motorcycle friends and, and all of that, on the business side, I fell into this giving. That's that's how you sell by giving more than you take, educating people. It really has blessed me, you know, very, very well. You ask me, well, you see me at conferences, you see me here and you see me there. It's not because I work my way into it. It's because people call me up and they said, Harlan will tell us what to do and they'll be free about it. I have a great passion about educating people and sharing what I'm doing with people. You know, I already said that, you know, you can hire me and I can tell you everything you want to do, but you're not going to do it. You know, lawyers, they go to conferences and they listen to, you know, what to do, but they go back and they say, well, I can't really do that. So I'm going to hire somebody. So on the sales side of it, it's worked out just fantastic. It's a style. I'm most proud of the charities I've been involved with. 
I'm proud to be involved with my motorcycle group, the Hamsters, funny name for the most prestigious <laughs> club in the world. I think that's what I'm proud of. You know, I was standing up in front of an audience. Uh, we created what's called the Golden Gavel Awards. And it's uh, within the A-list National Tri-Lawyers that we developed at National Tri-Lawyers. And it's awards to the to the best advertising. You know, we broke it down by 30 seconds, 60 seconds, you know, all different facets, just like the Academy Awards. And we did this three years ago and we had 50 people in the room and this year we had 300 and people are clamoring to do better and make better commercials. And I'm sitting on the dais and I'm looking at the crowd and I'm thinking about how did we get here? And then it was my turn. And then I started with the National Tri-Lawyers Advertising Hall of Fame. You know, 40, 50 years ago, we were garbage. And we created an industry that has dignity. The truth of the matter is you can't have a law firm prosper in this day and age without advertising. The people that are falling off the charts are people that haven't adapted to marketing and advertising. Yeah. Yeah. And whether you're a Mark Garagos or a Mark Amaro or a Joey Vitale, you're advertising. Some yeah. people advertise by being on CNN. Some people advertise. I'm advertising right now, I guess. You know, somebody will see this podcast. They'll think maybe I'm intelligent or not intelligent, and maybe they'll want to do business. So I think that was an incredibly strong moment. And I delivered a speech, and I got rid of my notes, and I just said, 40 years ago, we were garbage. And now people need us. And I'm very, very proud of that. I'm very proud of positioning the industry as credible. Yeah, that is very powerful. But the way to add, the way to position the industry and the way the industry got credible is that there's so many people that are credible that help build this industry. You know, building you, for instance, you have a very unique firm company. You have a very unique approach. You're a pioneer. I certainly love doing business with you because you've pioneered a virtual company that makes it so easy to trademark what you need. And you're one what the kind of guy I'm talking about, you know, that's contributed credibility to the industry. That means a lot. Thank you. And I'm very proud to be part of that. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not just, you know, transactional. I didn't spend my life just trying to sell this. I'm proud of that. I've got really just one more question for you, Harlan, and then we can can wrap up. I know you've you've got a lot of people who want some of your attention. When you look in the future, you strike me as someone who's not retiring anytime soon. W what is exciting you about things that are in your future? Well, I think that the advent of private money coming into the legal arena excites me. I think the opportunities to get involved with buying and selling. And what, most, what excites me the most is how mature the business has gotten and how mature it's going to get. Uh, you know, the opportunity. You know, we talked a little bit about maximum law and the, you know, yeah. what, what they've built. You know, it's an entire generation of several thousand lawyers that network, and they're all pretty much under 30 or under 35. That excites me. You learn from the whole new generation coming up, this tremendous opportunity, and opportunity is what turns me on. Well, we've got, we've got big shoes to fill and... Uh some solid shoulders that we're standing on. So thank you. Harlan. I'd like to, I, if we have time, I'd like to give the audience a piece of a, a tidbit. Yeah. On please. a competitive thing that they can take home and, and understand it and, and prosper from, you know, we talked about adding value. I want to add yeah. a little bit of value to this awesome. conversation. The most significant difference between you 
your law firm or your business is how people feel when they do business with you. The best advice that I can give you is differentiate yourself through compassion, through listening, through approachability, and make it easy for people to do business with you. And you want people to say, you know, I really enjoyed doing business with him. My dad used to tell me, when you die, nobody cares how much money you have. You're going to be judged by how you treated people. And the biggest competitive edge that you have in business, whether you're that dry cleaner or whether that law firm, is how people feel when they do business with you. Make them feel important. Make them feel they want to do business with you. And that is your biggest competitive edge. Look at your intake. You helped me do that. You got me the trademark uh, uh, registration on ambassador first impressions. That receptionist, that's the first person that answers the telephone after you're spending all this money to get the phone to ring. So think about that person and how they're going to relate to that person calling. And that's the biggest difference. That's your biggest competitive edge. Oh, I love that so much. And if I can tie that to one more thing that we talked about before we went live, we talked a lot about team. Do you have any tips or value that, that we can maybe end on in terms of how, how do you cultivate a team that is doing that so that you can go to bed at night, take a vacation, knowing that your team is having that result with the customers well, that you're serving? Well, you know, there's no I in team. In putting a team together, I always like to try to make reference. I am not a Patriots fan. I don't like okay. the Patriots. You know, they're, I'm a Bronco fan. You know, they're rivals. But you got to give the Patriots credit and many, many other teams because what they put together, what Belichick put together is a team. He brings in the right quarterback. He brings in the right catcher, the right passer, the right blocker. And everybody has their job. And that's how they've won so many Super Bowls because they are a team moving down the road. Somebody made a very interesting analogy the other day. I was on a conversation and they were talking about the Super Bowl of many years ago. And they talked about their team coming out, being announced. And they said, they, they introduced, I, I think it was the, I don't remember what team it was. And they, and the team was in the locker room and they were going through the hallway, that tunnel that they come out and they said, this is our quarterback, blah, blah, blah. This is our and this is, and they introduced them all individually, okay, and said. So then all of a sudden, the Patriots. It was their turn to come out onto the field. It's a true story, and you know how the Patriots were introduced? They all ran out together. They all ran out as a team. People don't know that story, wow. but think about that. If you, you're putting together a team. Everybody has their job, and that's how it works. You know, in putting a motorcycle together, and I love custom motorcycles, you know, there's 90% of them don't work, custom bikes, because people put them together like a Christmas tree. Well, I'll hang this on, and I'll make put this on, but they all don't mesh. You got to make every part work together, and that's how a machine works. And the better they work together, the more horsepower it has. That's a team. Powerful stuff, man. Harlan, I could talk to you about this stuff forever. I love listening to the way that you describe business and just your perspective on what it means to, to grow a business, to be a mentor and leader in this space, to be a pioneer. So grateful for your time and the energy that you always bring to conversations like this. Well, Joey, I make it easy for people to understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. And you make it easy for people to do business with you. And that's why your business is thriving. 
Well, thank people you, Harlan. Make your bit, make it easy for people to do business with you. Mm. Such a good, good way to end this episode. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're tuning into this live or on the podcast, just a really quick announcement. The name of this show is The Business Growth Advantage. This week, we launched a free Facebook group, same name, The Business Growth Advantage. And it's the new space for service providers of any kind who might have outgrown a previous business community or your business besties to, to come together to have a more of a next level community about exploding the growth of your business this year and years beyond with people like Harlan uh, being highlighted, helping us all. You're free to join that. I'll be sure that I uh, put some links in various places so you can easily get in the group. Harlan, thank you again so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Joey. All right. See everybody. I'll talk to you all next week. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week.